What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Throwing the Wolfman in the corner. Couple of football tackles in there. He's unloading a few rights. Oh, here he goes. Hooking the foot under the rope. There he goes with that leg again. There it is. One, two. He's got it. He's got it. Figure four. He's got it. And that's it. That's it. He finally gave us winner of the fall of the match by submission. Super intelligent destroyer. And now for the official announcement. the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 315 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast brought to you today empowered by the icons of wrestling this coming november 18th the icons of wrestling returns to the ecw arena in philadelphia for what we like to call the parade of extreme champions as Photo opportunities for the first time ever will be taking place inside the ECW arena featuring a host of ECW world champions. And you can check out the lineup today by going to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash TMPT of wrestling. If you don't know who it is, as they say for November to remember, it will be a regret you will never forget. So get on over to our Facebook page now and check out who is a part of the Extreme Parade of Champions on November 18th at the Icons of Wrestling in Philadelphia at the ECW Arena, now known as the 2300 Arena. So get over there right now and see what's going on at the two-man power trip of wrestling's Facebook page and if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, we are joined by an absolute legend in professional wrestling, as we are joined by a man who has been known as Dr. X. And when you think of names in professional wrestling, and you think of killers, you think of beasts, you think of King Kongs, but there's only one destroyer and that is dick buyer the destroyer joins us today for an absolutely awesome walk down memory lane 
as we relive some of Dick Byer's greatest achievements and biggest moments in a career that spans back decades in professional wrestling. And it is such a classic look inside the stories that are fast going extinct. It is an absolute rare occasion to get somebody like Dick Byer on the phone and to discuss some of these stories you are going to hear today. Now, when you think of the destroyer Dick Byer, you think of the mask, you think of that face, that, that gnarly, scary face peeking out from the holes inside the mask. And we're going to find out today why that mask came to be and what brought the mask to life and where the origin of Dick Byer's legendary destroyer mask came from. And it might be from a source you never thought of, but also thinking about his time as Dr. X and how the mask has become so synonymous with the career of Dick Byer. It is a fascinating look into the old school And if you are a historian or you're an old school fan, you are ready to strap in and enjoy one hell of an interview. So now, John, as I welcome you in here now, this interview, putting it together, was absolutely thrilling. Seeing how it was coming to pass, seeing how when we booked it, we did not know what to expect. And from what I remember you were saying in the the post part of the interview process, the Bayer family was thrilled with this interview. Dick loved this interview. And I guess the only thing I can say is now, John, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we have to look forward here in a very rare interview with the legendary destroyer, Dick Byer. Yes, Chad, back here again at the two-man power trip of wrestling, and we have a huge, huge star, a huge icon in the world of professional wrestling. He's an American athlete, an international icon. Yes, the destroyer himself, Dick Byer, we welcome him in to the two-man power trip, and boy, was this a great interview. Obviously, Dick Byer is just one of the all-time, just biggest names in the history of the business. If you are a true historian, if you are a true follower of the sport of professional wrestling, you know the name, you've seen him wrestle, you know how much he meant to the wrestling business. Obviously, right now, I believe he's in his 80s or in mid-80s, kind of almost coming up to 90. So he is obviously an old man from a, from a different generation of professional wrestling. So maybe a lot of the new fans don't know who he is. But if you really love the business and you really know anything about it, you should know the Destroyer. You should know the mask. You should know the history. You should know the lineage of professional wrestling. And obviously, if you follow Japanese wrestling at all, you know that this guy was uh, you know part of a show that had 70 million viewers so he is definitely one of the biggest stars of all time and definitely as far as international scene goes and japan goes one of the biggest icons of all time and he will be making his return over there to japan pretty soon and it's pretty amazing to see you know that kind of respect and that level of just admiration going out to him from the japanese fans and i love that you know you can be from here you can be an american but you can be an absolute just star over there and a star of stars so just awesome to see that about him but you know i don't want to talk too much and go into too much detail i really want you to listen and learn with this interview and really go through the history of the destroyer dick buyer whether we're talking when he was Dr. X, when you're talking about AWA, when you're talking about uh, WWA, when you're talking about all the legendary wrestlers that he wrestled, whether you're talking about Ricky Dozon or Luthez or, you know, there's so many different guys that he came across and that he wrestled, Laverne Gagne. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I really just think if, if you're a true wrestling fan and a true historian, you're going to absolutely love this interview. You're going to absolutely love hearing from one of the most legendary names ever in the history of wrestling, and that is the Destroyer himself. Yeah, and what John's referencing there is that this past week, the Japanese government has just acknowledged that they will be awarding Dick Byer the Order of the Rising Sun Gold and Silver Rays for a lifetime spent promoting goodwill and bicultural exchanges between Japan and the United States. And obviously, if you've ever had the opportunity to see Dick Byer's retirement in Japan, it is so emotional 
And you can look it up on YouTube. I was actually uh, was was referring to it when we were originally preparing for this interview. It is quite the emotional journey from the match's ending where Dick Byer gets his opponent to submit in the figure four leg lock through the tribute that the crowd gives him to his family coming in the ring and the tears shed by not only the wrestlers, but by the Byer family as well. And if there's one thing we can prove with this show, it is that we love to honor the history of the wrestling business. And we are so extremely, extremely honored to have had Dick Byer join us for that interview that you are going to be listening to here in just a couple of minutes. So sit back and relax. And thank you everybody for taking a listen to the triple threat podcast. We have successfully posted a couple episodes here on iTunes and the response has been fantastic and we are going to be bringing you a lot more. So hope you enjoyed this past episode. Looking back at November to remember 1997 as the franchise took on Bam Bam Bigelow for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship in Shane's hometown right outside Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So it's quite the episode. So go back and take a listen if you haven't heard it yet. And if you're listening to it for the first time, enjoy because we love the Triple Threat podcast being on our iTunes feed here and on Potomatic.com. So keep on checking us out. And as the music starts to creep in, John, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the destroyer, Dick Byer. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr. Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a Four Horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former All-Japan Pro Wrestling Tag Team Champion. He is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer. You may know him as Dr. X, but he is an American athlete and an international icon. He is the Destroyer, Dick Byer. Please enjoy. with you too. If you got any questions, please let me have them. I've noticed in the information I have here 
who you've interviewed and so forth. And I always say when you interview me, I say, well, you had the rest, and now you're going to get the best. <laughs> uh, that's the understatement of the century. We are so completely honored to uh, to have you on. So if you are ready to roll, we're ready to start throwing some questions at you. I'm ready. All right. I do a quick little intro here. Joining us on the line tonight is a guy that when you say the names and you think about them, there's been bruisers, there's been killers. There's been bulldogs, but there is only one destroyer, and we are so honored to welcome in a former All-Japan Wrestling Asia Tag Team Champion and AWA World Champion, the one and only destroyer, Dick Beyer. Thank you so much for joining the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you very much. Well, it's very easy to, to throw some questions out at you, and I'm going to ask you a very easy one because I know it's something that was very close to your heart, and that was your book that you released a few years back. How did you get a lifetime of stories into this uh, this amazing book that I know you've done some in Japan, but now putting one out for the American wrestling fans? Well, um, I was uh, I was honored in Buffalo for the. Uh, uh, Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. And the fellow who wrote my bio for that was a fellow by the name of Vince Evans. And Vince Evans, uh, I called him and I said, Vince, I know you wrote the bio for my introduction to uh, the Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. I'd like to know if you'd like to write a book. And he says, well, I've never written a book. I says, well, I never have either, except I did write a book in Japan. I says, uh, so we coordinated actually over 10 years uh, on the book. And uh, so it turned out as I... Uh, read it and the comments that were made from it was terrific uh, and Vince Evans enjoys all the uh, accolades for writing the book actually the writing of it and uh, the interpretation of it and so forth uh, was all we did it by phone. He lived in he lived in Buffalo, but then he moved to Florida, so we communicated by telephone oh, every week or two or three, uh, and it took took us three years or five, ten years to complete the whole book. It's unbelievable, and it's Mass Decisions is what the title is, and it's been out for a couple of years now, but what I love in doing research about somebody like you is that you had a couple books that were written in Japan, so obviously it's much easier to relate your book to uh, somebody who speaks the same language as you rather than through an interpreter like you did in Japan. Yes, it's exactly right. But as it is in Japan, you are like a god over there, and we are going to talk about Japan in a few minutes here. But i got to ask, with mask decisions, obviously the mask is so iconic and such a part of you. Did you ever think that you would be so identifiable by just looking at that face, that white mask, seeing your nose peeking out of there, and that's how wrestling fans know the Destroyer meant business. So did you ever think you'd be stuck behind that mask for your entire career? I never thought it. One iota, because uh, I, uh, I grew up in Buffalo, and I went to Syracuse, and um, the uh, the I'm trying to say I tried to uh, uh, go as Dick Byer, and I went to the promoter here in Buffalo, and they says you're not big enough. Uh, you know, uh, we have Ilio DiPaolo here, and we have other people that are bigger and stronger than you, and uh, so we can't use you, uh, was what P 
Pedro Martinez said. And uh, so I went to uh, uh, Chicago, and then I went on to California. And uh, and that's where I put the mask on, was in California. So you put the mask on in California, and obviously you've had many awards in California with some of the greats and winning the WWA World Championship out in California. But i, I got to ask, so, so where did the mask exactly come from? Where did you find that style of mask? Um, I, uh, I was in a territory, well, I was in Texas, and uh, a fellow by the name of, um, I'll, I'll, it'll come to me, it'll come to me, uh, 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 where are you? Uh, anyway, uh, the uh, mass came to me from a fellow at a meeting in uh, in Chicago, and and uh, the oh, why have I got that down? Anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. Ask me something else. <laughs> How about okay? So yeah, so the mask. Uh, I think another great question just about the mask would be the color. So so obviously white being pretty distinct because you see guys like a great opponent of yours, Mill Mascaris, man of a million masks. You know he had different colors, but you stuck to the white. Was that something that you kind of picked out, or was it just the way it kind of worked out coincidentally? Well. To tell you the truth, when I uh, Ox, the name I was trying to think of was Ox Anderson. Ox Anderson was in the uh, Texas Territory, and we were sitting uh, in a in a room, and uh, I says, uh, Ox, uh, what is? They gave me a mask that was made from wool, wool, and uh, that was the first mask I had. And uh, I said, I says I couldn't breathe through it. I couldn't eat through it. Uh, I, I, I just couldn't handle the mask. I wore the mask the first match, and uh, then I said to him, I says, I says I can't wear this mask. And uh, Ox Anderson was there, and he threw me a mask across the room, and he says, uh, "He says, Dick, try this one on." So I tried that mask on, and it fit perfect. And I says, "Well, what's it made out of?" He says, "It's made from a woman's girdle." I says, "Well, where do you get them?" He says, "Well, you you get the girdles at Woolworths Department Store." So I went back to home, told my wife we're going to go shopping. And my wife was a pretty good seamstress. And uh, she she says, you're going to go shopping? You don't like to shop. Uh, one, of my, one, one of my worst evils was trying to go shopping and do buy something. But... Uh, we went shopping and we went to the uh, lingerie department in Woolworths, and uh, I'm I'm drawing a crowd already in uh, Woolworths by trying on girdles over my head in a in a lingerie department. So I uh, I put the put the mask on and or the girdle on. And uh, the uh, and I says this is too small. This one's too big. This is this that. And finally, I got one that fit a, a girdle that fit. And my wife uh, said to me, uh, "The uh, you." Uh, she said to me, "You're." Uh, I can, I can design. I can get a, a 
pencil or uh, what they call a, a, a marker that they use in tailor. So she tailored, she tailored my face and put circles around my eyes and circles around my nose and circles around my mouth and uh, went home and she designed the mask as uh, the destroyer mask, which was white. And uh, all the girdles were white, and uh, I didn't want a, a black one, uh, although uh, later on I put a black one on as uh, Dr. X. Uh, but that was the way the mask came out, was Ox Anderson gave me the mask, told me where to shop, uh, go to Woolworths, and uh, my wife uh, made the mask when we got home. She was perfect on it. She, uh, And then we made different colors of the binding that went around the eyes. We had, I had black ones, I had blue ones, I had uh, green ones, and uh, so that's the way, the reason the mask became white was uh, my, uh, they only, they only, they only sold in white, white <laughs> girdles. Uh, so you're going to have to you have to ask some of the girls why the destroyer wore a white mask and not a black one. <laughs> <laughs> you don't realize how much professional wrestling history is made by you saying the girdle fit perfectly and that's how we got the destroyer. That's history in the making right there. Well, that's true. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, so we can talk about the mask, we can talk about all the great things, but again, the name, the Destroyer, there's, like I said at the top, there's killers, there's bulldogs, there's, there's assassins, there's bulldozers, there's all these things, but a Destroyer is pretty, uh, that's pretty final as well, that's a pretty big name to have, so sticking with that name, and, and instead of just going by Dick Byer earlier in your career, did you feel like that was the best move uh, from that promoter who gave you that advice to be billed strictly as just the Destroyer? That's exactly right. And uh, I used to be introduced in the ring in Los Angeles by uh, Marty, or Marty, uh, Jimmy Lennon. Jimmy Lennon introduced me, and he says, in this corner is so-and-so. And I says, no, it's the intelligent, sensational destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> And you want to talk about a name that stuck to the intelligent and sensational destroyer. That was actually in my notes as well to bill you as that because when you see somebody called the destroyer, you don't think they're going to be the intelligent and sensational one because you think destroyer. But speaking with you, obviously you could tell that you were a little different than everybody else. And did you use that little bit of uh, smarts to kind of outsmart your opponent and outsmart maybe the fans as well because you were intelligent and sensational? I used it all the time. Uh, I'll tell you what, it obviously, you know, it stuck very well. And when we talked about California very briefly, when you were out in California, three-time WWA world champion, having some wars with another uh, just iconic name in Classy Freddie Blassie. If you can, could you just share some memories about Classy Freddie Blassie and some of the matches that you had out there for the WWA world championship? Freddie Blassie uh, was a great person in my career. Uh, he he beat the hell out of me at times, uh, but uh, in matches. But uh, he more or less was a uh, instigator so to speak, of the destroyer. Anyway, I, uh, Freddie Blassie, uh, 
I could learn to talk on TV. Blassie was very good uh, in talking, and and I learned from watching him how to talk on TV. Uh, and um, the uh, uh, I'm just trying to think of uh, some of the things that uh, we we worked out together. Uh, I'll think of them. Well, Classy Freddie Blassie, obviously a huge name, huge legend in the business, but another absolutely big name that you worked in, and you got to think about it, in the infamous mask versus hair match against Gorgeous George. What was it like working against the iconic Gorgeous George as well? Well, I, you know what? I was working in a town of Bakersfield one day, and uh, I was going to go right by uh, where Ed Don George uh, had his, uh, gorgeous George, had his uh, office. So I stopped by the office and I says, I says, George, I says, you and I need to have a match. Uh, My mask against your hair. And... uh, I says, I'm not going to take the mask off, and uh, you got to decide if you want to uh, have your hair cut. Well, he had mentioned it to me once before uh, in a dressing room. He said, I need a payday, because uh, uh, it was at the tail end of his career, maybe. He needed a payday. Uh, and uh, we could draw, we could draw that in the Olympic Auditorium, where uh, it was the mask versus the hair, and uh, that's exactly what we did. Uh, and um, he said, "I'll have my two valetes, his his two barbers there, to cut it." And uh, that's exactly what he did, and. Uh, Jules Strongbow, who was the promoter in L.A., wasn't particularly fond of the match. Uh, he was not 100% for it because he didn't think it would draw that much. And uh, he, he, well, he just, he, uh, he thought that uh, Gorgeous George was on his downhill, and the fact that the people would come to see him get his head shaved or something, he didn't particularly think it would work. But anyway, it worked, and it worked a second time uh, down in... uh, uh, in uh, well, yeah, 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 another. Huh? It, it worked. It worked in uh, Long Beach. In Long Beach, it was a second. It was another match, uh, and uh, different referee and so forth. Uh, and we had two matches. One where we shaved his head, and then once when the people had to come to watch his shaved head again. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously his hair was pretty iconic. Uh, You know, obviously to be shaving it off, very, very memorable head of hair. Yes. Another guy, you know, speaking of that era, obviously, and, and that place, you guys started to work with JWA, WWA and JWA out of Japan, had a working relationship. What was it like when you went over to Japan for JWA and you wrestled Ricky Dozon in front of 70 million, you know, households? Um, 
to tell you the truth, I was scared to death. <laughs> you know, nervous, not scared, but nervous. And uh, he, uh, 70, 70 million people watched it. And it's still the number two rated television show in uh, Japanese history. Uh, the uh, and I continually get calls from uh, Channel Four in Japan uh, because Channel Four was the channel that I did a lot of my uh, out of my appearances on uh, the radio show or not the radio show the television show was called Owasa uh, no channel and uh the uh and it they they were amazed that the the amount of people that wanted to watch Ricky Dozen uh, wrestle the destroyer. I was uh, champion, and that was one of my correct moves in in wrestling. Uh, I I did a lot of things in wrestling, but that one particular booking uh, in Japan was just fantastic and I my my career in Japan is not over uh, I can go over there and uh, do uh, commercials uh, and various other things uh, because of Giant Baba because of Giant uh, uh, Giant Baba and uh, Ricky Dozen uh, and Freddie Blassie. Let's go back to Blassie. Blassie was uh, I wrestled Blassie in Florida when I was uh, in Florida as Dick Byer and I wrestled Blassie and uh, Blassie and I had a great match. Uh, he won the match by just throwing me out of the ring and getting back in and getting throwing me out again. Uh, and he says, he says, Dick, don't do all those crazy bumps out of the ring. So he told me, don't do those kind of bumps. <laughs> but I did them anyway uh, because... Uh, the match was going very good, and uh, he said, I'll get you, you pencil neck geek. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for my daughter being here at the table. <laughs> <laughs> but Blassie definitely helped you, obviously, get over in Japan because you, know, you beat him for that WWE title, and he was over in Japan, and we mentioned Ricky Dozon. But Giant Baba as well, you guys had a series of matches that really helped you and helped your exposure in Japan as well. Yes, it did. Uh, I wrestled, um, I live in Buffalo, and Baba trained at Crystal Beach, uh, which is a resort area in Canada, not too far away from Buffalo. Giant Baba was training there uh, with uh, some wrestlers from Australia. Uh, and uh, it was a very intense workout for him. Definitely. The Ricky Dozon match made you, and obviously the uh, Giant Baba series of matches definitely helped. But basically, you and Giant Baba created what we now you know, would know as All Japan Pro Wrestling, which was the number one organization in Japan for a very, very long time. What about when you and Baba basically got together and started All Japan Pro Wrestling? What was it like basically starting a promotion from the ground up? 
it uh, it was uh, it was something that uh, we started. Baba with his wife Matoko. Um, the the whole promotion uh, was. I worked for Baba, and the promotion was. I think Baba he he had the same promotion until he passed away. Uh, I'm not sure how long he had it, but uh, his promotion was the best in Japan. Uh, there were several other promotions. Inoki had a, a promotion. Uh, other people had promotions. But Baba was the best and it was the best for me because um, I Anoki worked for Baba for a while and then he formed his own group uh, but uh, Baba was the best group in Japan uh, and uh, I'm I I pat myself on the back because I think I helped him get the point where his promotion was the best. Absolutely, you helped, and you became basically a god in, in Japan. You became such a big star. Are you surprised you took to Japan so well and they took so well to you? Yes. Yeah, they they took well to me. Um, I think a lot of my personality, I, I was involved in a television show called Uwasa no Channel, and that television show was the number one show, I'm talking a comedy-type show, in Japan. Yes. And you were also, obviously, with Baba, basically the, the two top wrestlers in Japan. Were you surprised that the, the Japanese people, you know, could love an American so much? I wasn't surprised because I could feel it in the television show that I was on. Uh, the uh, And Baba always promoted me, so... Uh, It was it was a fantastic experience. <laughs> now, did, is it true you lived over there for about uh, six or seven years straight? You, you lived in Japan? Yes, I did. I took my wife and my three kids over there. Uh, my my kids can all today speak Japanese. Wow. Their father doesn't speak as well <laughs> as my kids do. <laughs> my daughter later went to uh, Japan and worked for General Motors. And my son, my oldest boy, is now working for a company here in uh, Buffalo that takes him back and forth to Japan. Oh, maybe... Uh, Ten times a year. Wow. And then my youngest son, he he lived in Japan with his mother because that was the arrangement we had in the divorce I had with my first wife. But uh, he he's he's terrific right now. Uh, and his Japanese is good. My daughter's Japanese is good. My son's is good, and their father's isn't worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> I I can get by in Japanese, 
uh, if I got some help. <laughs> it is crazy because, you know, you, you were a great athlete, like they say, the, the American athlete from Syracuse who becomes an international icon. Was it, you know, strange for you to kind of be an icon over there in Japan, being that, you know, you had to learn the language and you had to learn everything over there? Uh, I didn't think it was... I didn't think it was hard at the time. Uh, However, uh, there were several people. uh, Wada Akiko uh, is probably one of the better entertainers in Japan. She's a singer. She was on our show as a comedian. And uh, she, uh, she, she at times wanted me to learn more Japanese. <laughs> and I says, it's impossible. <laughs> because when I, when I speak to Japanese on TV, people laugh because it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, you did go over there a couple of years ago in, in 2011, a part of that big All Together show with New Japan, All Japan, and Noah. Your son was there. You, you had a Destroyer Cup. Was that the the last time you were in Japan? No, I was. I've been over there this past year. Oh wow! I I have uh, I have a group over there of amateur wrestlers. Uh, it started out with 15 of them about 10 years ago. And today, the Destroyer team has 750 amateur wrestlers ages 5 through 15. Wow, pretty amazing. Yeah, it is because I had people that were working. I was here in the States. I don't have any. uh, I didn't do all the work that they did in forming the destroyer team over there. Uh, I, uh, I did it. With my name, I, I guess, because several people helped out. Yeah, and it's called the Figure Four Club. Oh yeah, very very fitting. How did you learn the the Figure Four leg lock? Because obviously that's where you're very very famous for the Figure Four. Um, I think it was. Um, Buddy Rogers. <laughs> Buddy Rogers retired about the time uh, I was uh, made the move for the figure four leg lock. Uh, Buddy used it uh, over his career and. Uh, I used to say that the best part of my body is my legs. And uh, my daughter, she uh, she says, they all look at my daughter and they say, got, you got legs just like your daddy. And she says, <laughs> my daddy gave them to me <laughs> for my birthday. For my birthday. <laughs> You are pretty, like, you're pretty synonymous with Japan, and you're pretty synonymous with the figure four, so that's actually pretty fitting that the, in Japan, the Destroyer Wrestling Team is, you know, the figure four team. That's pretty, uh, pretty synonymous, pretty perfect. I try to, I try to get everything to meet with the Japanese, uh, and uh, with my identity, and so forth. Oh, yeah. 
Now, you, you know, we're talking about the Destroyer, but another character you played, another part of your career when you were in the AWA was Dr. X. And obviously, you know, you're a former AWA world champion. Where did Dr. X come from? <laughs> that's a, that's, that's good. It's good that you should ask that. Um, I went to, uh, I wrestled Vern Gagne in Chicago uh, to a sellout house, 18,000 people. And uh, after the match, he came to my dressing room and says, I want you to come to Minneapolis. He says, but, uh, and I wrestled him as the destroyer. And he says, but I don't want the destroyer. Why, Burn, wouldn't you want the Destroyer? He says, because the Destroyer, they think, is Dick Byer. I says, well, who the hell is Dick Byer? He never beat anybody. So uh, I uh, so I, I told him that I would, in a couple of weeks, I'll be here on one of your TV shows. And I'll come with a different mask. So I went to went back to Buffalo. I was in Buffalo at the time, and uh, I I made a mask. Uh, I made a mask out of a black outfit. You said mentioned earlier I needed white. So I black outfit but I went on the TV show that was uh, they had a live studio show in the uh, television station in Los Angeles I ran in uh, Minneapolis and I went I went on a TV show with a paper bag on my head and I put two eyes in it and a mouth, and uh, Marty, Marty, oh, anyway, Marty, somebody, <laughs> uh, come over to me. He was one of the announcers, uh, and he come over to me. He says, well, "Who are you?" And I says, uh, "I'm Doctor X." Well, why are you got a mask on? Because I don't want you or Vern Gagne to know who I am. So I, I wrestled there as Dr. X. And I next week I went on the show. I had a black mask with an X on the top of it. And uh, wrestled as Dr. X. And... Uh, then everybody says, well, why did you go to Dr. X? I says, because Vern Gagne didn't want the Destroyer. That's exactly the reason why, is that uh, I went in there and changed my whole identity. I put black shoes on. I had a black top on. I had black bop- bottoms, I had a black mask, and you mentioned earlier about the white mask. I, did I always have the white mask? Well, I didn't have it. In Minneapolis, I had a black mask. Hmm. And that I went. That would be different. I wrestled Ganya two weeks later in Chicago to a sellout house. And not one person in that audience had any idea that Dr. X was the destroyer. I changed my whole way of working. I changed uh, how I walked. And I was entirely different. In uh, I had a black mask and a with a nose on it. And so... 
that's that's the primary reason for going as Dr. X. That is great that you could play two, you know, such famous characters and have the fans not realize that it's the same person. That was that was exactly right. Uh and uh there was a a singer by the name of uh, Heidi, I think it was Heidi, wore my, wore... Oh, a, Debbie Harry. Huh? Blondie. Blondie. Debbie Harry. W. Herring, my wife, my daughter says. Debbie Harry. W. Herring. And... Debbie? Oh, Debbie. Debbie Herring. And uh, she wore my my T-shirts, and uh, at first I wanted to uh, maybe put a lawsuit against her using my gimmick, or so to speak. But uh, I found out that destroyer shirts. <laughs> were uh, were on sale and the masks <laughs> still today I have a golf course here in uh, Akron, New York it's called Destroyer Park Golf and uh, my daughter runs my uh, golf course and her husband is the groundskeeper and it's terrific. We've got people over from Canada today that just think it's the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's uh, the uh, mask and the shirts are selling as well as the destroyer shirts too. <laughs> That is great. I mean, uh, I mean, either way, it's good for you. But that is funny that both there are, are selling well, and it's pretty cool. You got your own golf course up there in Akron. Yes, I do. It's in round twelve, and uh, went to visit some of the people that were playing, and they were from uh, where were they from? They were from a small town east of Buffalo called Tonawanda, and they couldn't believe how, uh, he says, how did you get this idea? This is lovely. We love it. It's a family-type thing. I have different rules on the golf course. If 10 people want to play in a group, they can play on a group. That's that's the way we do it, and uh, it's I've had policemen come by and uh, policemen from Chicktawaga. They uh, they they drag a, a cooler full of beer because I don't have a license, but they got it, and they 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 have a cooler full of beer, and they have a Ten guys playing the same hole. <laughs> so that's that's the best thing I could say. It's just great. Everything is working out good. It is great. And as I start to wind it down a bit here, I mean, we could probably talk about your career, you know, for a very long time. I mean, literally wrestled everywhere, wrestled so so many territories. You were a god in Japan. You were a huge star in the states. Do you have any favorite matches looking back? I know obviously the Ricky Dozon one sticks out, but do you have any other you know big favorite matches in your career? Well, uh, probably uh, the uh, match I had with uh, Luthez. Luthez was a current champion uh, uh, when I was going through the ropes of 
different wrestlers. Uh, I had some great matches with In the, uh, uh, he played for uh, Oakland in the professional league, uh, and uh, I had great matches with Billy Red Lions, who happened to be my brother-in-law, <laughs> uh, and uh, I had great matches with Red Bastine, who was. Um, a redhead that did a lot of flying in the ring. Uh, and uh, the uh, oh, I had got some great matches along the way. Get my book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So Terry Funk, Dory Funk, Bob Backlund, Andre the Giant, Dick Hutton, former NWA champion. So many legendary and big names that you wrestled throughout the years. It's crazy. Every one of those that you mentioned just now were good matches that I had. Uh, and... Uh, Because people tell me this was good or that's bad. They're honest with me when they say whether the match is good or bad. Especially one maybe with Dick Hutton. He was a tough, tough Oklahoman. Oh, yeah, former NWA world champ, huge name in wrestling. Now, do you have a favorite territory you worked or a favorite place? Would it be Japan? Was that your high high watermark, that your favorite place to wrestle? I liked I liked Oregon and Washington, uh, uh, and that was a good territory for me because Don Owens was the uh, promoter up there, and he paid you every night. So you could leave the house with 10 bucks in your pocket and finish off with the, the day of 100 bucks in your pocket. So uh, that was a territory uh, that uh, a lot of the wrestlers liked, the way the territory was handled. Uh, that territory included uh, Washington, uh, Northern California, and uh, uh, Oregon, uh, I also enjoyed Texas. Texas was a good territory, uh, and uh, because of the, the promotions, And I liked, I liked uh, the Buffalo area because uh, it was home, and I could, I could go go to a wrestling bout and come back home the same night. <laughs> hmm. so. Now you know, mentioning all these. You know these crazy places and all these great things you worked. Do you still watch any current wrestling, or are your wrestling days behind you? Leave me that question again. Do you watch any uh, current wrestling, or or do you, you're done with wrestling, kind of? I don't watch the wrestling anymore uh, because. They don't wrestle. I uh, I was a firm believer in wrestling, and when I was in the ring, I tried to wrestle. Uh, I tried to 
give the people a wrestling demonstration. Uh, and uh, for the most part, it's exactly true. I thought that I was in wrestling. Uh, I don't believe what Vince McMahon says, that uh, it's a show. It is a show, but it's a wrestling show. Uh, the uh, I guess uh, I guess I didn't uh, I did not wrestle the way uh, Vince McMahon wanted, and probably maybe that's the reason I never worked in New York territory, but. I was happy in going to Chicago. I was happy in going to Minneapolis. That was a nice territory. I was happy to go in Texas, California, Oregon, Japan. So I didn't need Vince McMahon. Uh, however, he had great promotions and he uh, the uh, I'm trying to think of uh, it was uh, different different things happened along the way. And uh, I was very fortunate to have been in the wrestling business. I I was happy. I wrestled uh, 37 years. My daughter says 39 years. So I wrestled 39 years. I had uh, 8,000 pro wrestling matches, and uh, so I and I was very happy with where I was and what I had to do, even after Pedro Martinez told me I was too small. <laughs> <laughs> but you obviously had the last laugh at the end of the day with that. That is an absolutely amazing story, and of course everybody can pick up your book, which has been out there for a couple of years, so we won't uh, make it sound like it just came out yesterday. It's been out there, so if you haven't seen it, it is called, uh, I just lost it here, Mass, what is Mass Reflection? I'm sorry, I just, it was just in front of my face. And uh, Mass Decisions, the Triangular Life, and of course, Dick Byer, the Destroyer. It's been amazing to have you on tonight, and I can't thank you enough. And we want to send everybody to your website, which is thedestroyer.com. And if you're in the Akron, New York area, the Destroyer Park Golf, it's been an absolute joy to have you on, and we thank you so much for spending this time with us this evening. Thank you very much. I appreciated it, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.